Oh, hey, welcome to How Creatives Work, the down-to-earth podcast for conversations about what creative work really is and how to tend to your well-being as a creator. I am your host, Anders Talvik, and I run a small design practice in Amsterdam called Studio Otherwise. I love my creative job, but I've also been through some very stressful and overworked periods. And since I believe sharing is caring, I'm having conversations with fellow creatives about how they work and what they do to make sure their work stays both healthy and inspiring. Hopefully we can all learn from each other. In this episode, I'm chatting with Michelle Kay, who is a freelance copywriter. Topics today include the importance and difficulty of keeping things clear and succinct, carbon literacy, and the privilege of aging. Gosh, it's really hard to keep this to just a few highlights. As always, resources we mention are in the show notes. Here's Michelle telling us a bit about herself to get the episode started. Right, well, I'm Michelle. I I live in the UK. Um, I have done so for nearly 18 years. Um, I'm from Australia. Probably pick up from my accent. And for the last few years full-time, I have been freelancing and copywriting for mainly for workplace um, and design, architecture, that kind of thing, and trying to really get into the um, sustainability side of it, for want of a better word, because I realise anything can become sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, really trying to push that sort of aspect of it through... um, those industries really um and i've been doing that yeah full time for the last few years really since the dreaded pandemic yeah mm. and uh, and what was your journey into copywriting is that something you knew for a long time was the thing you were going to do or has there been a what had the steps been yeah it's been um quite squiggly i guess i i'm one of those people that always loved writing so even as a really young child, um, I kept diaries and wrote big, long essays and all this kind of thing all the time. Um, and I really loved writing. And I still remember my year seven English teacher saying something really nasty to me once. Um, and it, I think it really affected me. I didn't really realize that until hmm. I was an adult. Um However, yeah, so I I didn't really pursue it as a career. I fell into uh, hospitality, really, um, after doing a short stint in uh, parks and gardens. So always nature was in the background. And through my hospitality career, I developed, like, went into sales and marketing. And I used to write a lot of copy for sales brochures, marketing material, um, websites, all that kind of thing. And I was the person that people came to to oh, we need an email written, but it's, you know, a bit sensitive. Could you, you know, write it Mm. for us? So I was constantly rewriting people's copy and um, all of that kind of thing. And after the, well, during the pandemic, when that started, I, um, my role was made redundant in hospitality. um, And I was a sales and marketing manager. Yeah, after having a few months to take in everything that was going on, uh, I started looking for writing jobs um, because it's something that I'd continued to do my whole life and um, it was helping me get my thoughts out during the beginning of the pandemic. And then lo and behold on LinkedIn, someone I wasn't connected to wrote a post about needing someone to write some copy and I answered it and 
that was the <laughs> sort of way into doing it full time and as as uh, a living really um and that's where i started doing it really professionally and properly and um went back to studying writing um, mm. a little bit yeah nice so yeah it wasn't it wasn't a conventional i'm going to be a writer <laughs> yeah yeah no but i love I, this is one of the things i love with having a little podcast where i chat about these things because so often it's not there's not this journey the the one you had imagined originally that's usually <laughs> i don't know where you end up in life and especially yeah. with creativity i think um for me having really studied like graphic design, this is what I'm going to do. There's still these very specific tracks you think you're going to end up on. And then you yep. go out into the world and realize, oh, someone's just going to write a post on LinkedIn and I'm going to answer it. And that's going to be the catalyst <laughs> for something. Never occurred to me. I, I remember in high school, um, a friend of mine, I think it was two years above me, but he was a writer, you know, <laughs> and he he got things published. And he, by the time we left school, he'd written a book. And, you know, I sort of was in awe of him. I was like, I could never do that. You know, that's what a writer is to me. They write books and go on like book tours and yeah. <laughs> that kind of um, But I, I was doing it all my life. And, and through my hospitality sales and marketing career, I wrote a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, and, I, yeah, I guess this the catalyst was... Um, seeing that post and going oh no i could do this yeah i can do this actually and i have been doing it and it's always been there and now it's here i can't imagine doing anything else yeah oh that's great it, yeah this is my favorite kind of journey i feel like <laughs> um but is that uh would you say now now that you've done it full time for a while is linkedin and jumping into those conversations is that how you get your work or I like to ask these these questions yeah. because I think it's helpful for people to hear sort of how other people do it. Yeah, I think you people can rely too heavily on one way to get work. And so I'm not going to lie, LinkedIn was the way I, I got into this initially. Um, however, networking is so important and being part of communities and meeting other people, whether it's online or in person. Um, there's so many people out there that, you, you just don't know. You could have a conversation that's got nothing to do with copywriting or writing or anything, but you start having a conversation with someone and then they may be having a conversation with someone else and they'll be like, oh, you know what? I know a copywriter. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's really, really important. So, yeah, I use LinkedIn a lot, um, but I'm now starting to join platforms uh, like Creators for Climate um, and other communities that I find online and so forth to to network and meet people and be around like-minded people that care about the same things. But yeah, I see a lot of people I think that are quite tunnel vision. They're like, oh, LinkedIn is where I get my work or this is what I do. I mean, what it, LinkedIn, I can't imagine will stay free forever. I know it has been for a long time, but you know, they might start making you pay for certain other elements, not just the premium service. They might make you pay to even do small things. So you can't yeah. throw your eggs in one basket. I mean, um, an example that I didn't know last month, at one point, I've been I've been on LinkedIn a lot this year, trying yeah. to sort of pivot and diversify and meet other kinds of people. And all of a sudden, they were like, "You've used up all your free custom searches this month." I'm just like, "Oh, what? really?" So like going into a company and searching for a specific role, or just searching for I don't know, yeah, 
people. They want you to then upgrade to um, Sales Navigator. Yeah. We, I nearly, we nearly purchased it when I was in an old role. Um, and yeah, it's good. So you can really delve into it. But I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they really want that. So, I mean, just my own little hack is that I sometimes go in and almost make the purchase of Premium or Sales Navigator and then I cancel. And then after like a month, they're like, do you want a discount? Yeah. <laughs> I don't pay for premium unless they've given me an offer. Yeah. Because I'm not paying what I think it's like forty pounds or it's something. It's a lot. I yeah. think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And um, then and and I think that really coming back to what you were saying, that that's gonna like that's not gonna be your only source of, you know, knowledge yeah. or work or community. Mm. Um so I'm wondering a little bit, uh, it's, it's been tricky in the past few years, but do you have any live in-person communities that you have found? At the moment, it's sort of been all online. I'm trying to think, yeah, in terms of the design industry, um, there's definitely some annual events that I definitely go to because of um, networking. So Clark and Well Design Week, something that I've been to for the last few years since it's been back on, works workspace design show as well um another in person so there's a lot of industry style sort of annual events i'd like to go to a few more in europe because they have the similar they have milan design week uh, a yeah. few weeks or months ago now um so yeah there's mostly been online communities that um starting to filter out um they're starting to come through but yeah a few annual industry sort of events which I want to gear more towards the climate space rather than um, workspace and design because there's only sort of, I mean, the industry as a whole are very conscious of the climate and everything and what's going on, but there's a lot of talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we've been talking about this for a few years now. <laughs> yeah. What, what are you doing um, in your designs and in your manufacturing and are you making those bold decisions now to actually change the way you make things um and there are some companies doing that but yeah you still see a lot of talking yeah um, it's that sort of uh standing getting ready for the race a little bit and trying to yeah. prep trying to prep so much and not really yeah not really well, getting going i think that was it today um i read the uk news and the un um said climate change it's here just just stop <laughs> you know yeah. stop denying it. it's it's happening right now and you know when will it be enough for people to wake up and go right we have to change everything we have to change everything the way we do we do everything the way we live our lives but i don't know so i want to have a bit more of an impact there and i'm not sure that the workplace industry is really going to have the quickest effect right no mm. that's uh, that's very true i i mean if i think about it too much i go to a dark place <laughs> Because in a way, yeah. I, I mean, also what you're saying, you kind of have to do things and like constantly yeah. keep working with people, I mean, to push to push for this, basically. Um, but one thing that uh, I'm interested in with your work, or I tend to ask sometimes, at least mm -hmm. in recent episodes, is to um, tell me, us a little bit about sort of your work process when you're getting a, a brief and how yeah. you tackle that. Right. So um, getting the brief is probably one of the hardest things. <laughs> um, <laughs> that can actually take a little bit. And I, I um, have a template. I find that helps mm. because 
because then I, if I'm given a, obviously some clients like to give you a brief in their format, but I try and sometimes get in there first and go, here you go. So that I've got, I know what I'm working from and it's not, I'm not having to decipher the brief first. Yeah. I know what I have. Um, so, and if they want to add things to it, fine. So yeah, getting the brief is probably the hardest bit in the first place to get it to a place where you can um, really understand what's going on. Then I will break it down into um, sort of three parts, real basic sort of introduction, who am I talking to and what I want to achieve with it. And then a lot of the time I spend several hours researching and talking to the client. Um, I've even interviewed some of their clients Mm. about product and so forth before, uh, with their permission, obviously. <laughs> um, I haven't just rung up <laughs> yeah. pretending to be someone. Let's <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me all the bad things. Yeah. Um, and then I free flow write, and even if it is crap, I just, you know, I look back at some things I've written in the first bit and go, wow, how, how were you even a copywriter? <laughs> but, you know, you, you've got to put the pen to paper yeah. or... or keyboard fingers to keyboard and then it is I probably edit you know a lot of people say you shouldn't edit as you go along but I I do because I can already see something that's not right or it's not melding yeah. into the story or the narrative so yeah as one I just brought free, free flow right that's really hard to say yeah three yeah. in a row <laughs> um get it all down and just go through and edit and edit and edit and edit and edit and then um, the very last thing I do is I never, never submit it when I finished it that day. I always let it marinate overnight. Yeah. Um, I have done that before and submitted it. And then I've looked the next day and gone, that would have sounded better or this would have sounded better. Um, I find it helps so much sleeping on it. Like yeah. give it a good, good 24 hours, um, which means you have to be organized. Obviously, I've done things last minute. Who hasn't? But um, it, especially if the client wants you to. But um, that's probably one of the most important things of parts of my process is leaving it sit yeah. overnight at least. Yeah, this is definitely something I'm trying to do better too. And mm. as you're saying, you have to be organized. But that yeah. that pause is yeah. such. I mean, it's truly such a beautiful place to have things happen. And I mean, mm. this is something I've been reading about rest ethic and productivity, right. all of that. And there is so much research even into how like your brain needs to have that downtime to make almost subconscious connections between things. Basically, I mean, there, it's, there really should be a pause in every project like this. There's a lot of value in, in copy and in, visuals and in systems and so when we rush that and just try to like not reflect on what we've just done I think there's a risk that the quality might suffer exactly and I think when you're so into it sometimes you know say you've been sat writing you know for several hours you're so involved in it sometimes you do need to have that break to to step back and look at it from the outside up here is you can just be too involved in it and you, you sometimes, does that make sense? I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's a very familiar feeling. I, I mean, and I think that's, that's where actually creative work gets really hard too, because it's this, 
it's this craft and you get into a flow and you, I mean, this is where I think it's really helpful to have collaborators or directors or people who are even just proofreading because sometimes yeah. even once you give yourself the pause, it's so hard to note the things that you know, you understand and you get because you're mm. in it, but just having someone see it from a different perspective is really Absolutely. helpful. Absolutely. And I do usually have um, someone we help each other, like, yeah. you know, read, read over each other's uh, work, which is great. Or do, don't always. Um, it's always a bit scary or <laughs> submitting it and having faith in yourself. Um, and what, what you were saying, interestingly, like, you know, you get in the flow type thing. I always thought that, you know, I had to sit down for eight hours, get in the flow and, and do this, this writing, you know, and I often found I would easily get distracted um I'd purposely find something <laughs> to yeah. distract myself. um or be like I'll oh, just quickly go and do this or that or whatever um but I came across a long time ago I think it was on LinkedIn someone suggested these two techniques and one was the Pomodoro technique mm, and uh-huh. something else yeah and I was like what stopping every 25 minutes that sounds like counterproductive you know if you're in the zone type thing and I was like well you know people have done it like maybe it's not for me but we'll give it a go it was is one of the best techniques I use. Even if I am like in a flow state and I'm really writing, the timer will go off and maybe I might write for another minute or something. But actually stopping and getting up and walking around, I, I've done some squats for five minutes. Yeah. I, you know, moved my body to get my blood pumping again. And I know this, you know, I'm not a scientist or a, a medical person, but I know that movement helps your brain activity and getting your blood pumping you know promotes creativity and productivity and it has helped me instrumentally um and i really try and do it every time i sit down and write um and and stick to the 25 like it does it in 25 minute lots yeah and i honestly find i can get more out and i'm more focused in those 25 minutes and i can write better like you know how Mm. i was saying before sometimes it doesn't matter just get it down Sometimes I can just really get it out. I don't know if it's in my head. It's like, oh, I've only got 25 minutes. Yeah, or... yeah. I don't, I'm not sure, but it, it works for me. Yeah. I have I have tried this and it almost scared me because I was just like, <laughs> you know, the immense focus that it can create. Mm-hmm. I, I realized I was like drained after the morning. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do anything else. But that, I mean, it, there's so much work that gets done in that short amount yep. of time. I think it might be time for me to try this again. Um, but I think yeah. it, it makes sense to have it for a specific task. I think a mistake I made too was that I basically did it for my whole day, like grouping, ah, yeah. putting all my tasks into this format rather than having right. the kind of like, I need to sketch out ideas for a visual identity, mm-hmm. just doing that. Maybe that could help you this time if you try it again, like, right, I'm just going, I've got this specific task to do. Yeah. I'm going to dedicate two or hours or something to it. But using that technique, maybe it might work better for you. Yeah. Because yeah. one thing, the sort of way that I've put it into a different kind of practice is that now I have, I just work in my calendar, like my MacBook yep. calendar, and I put in usually 45 minutes of work and then a break and then 45 minutes. I used minutes to tell my team to do that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, I'm so disorganized, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, carry on. But yeah. No, yeah, but it, it's so helpful. And <laughs> yeah. it's 
I, I fought that for a long time too, because uh, especially mm -hmm. when I first started um, freelancing, I was reading so much about productivity and mm -hmm. time management and all this. And I was like, I don't want to do calendar. Like that's it's so stressful. And now, yeah. now I notice as soon as I get frustrated a day, if it's 1130 and I'm just like, I'm not getting anything done. I realized that it's because I didn't put anything in my calendar and I'm just kind of free form working. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of people like that that have the same issue. It's It can be overwhelming to think, oh, my calendar's going to go off and ding every whatever, 45 minutes or whatever, but it can help you focus on the task at hand. Um, I know it's really, I've learned a few people have done, I've spoken to do that and plan the calendar out like that. And I, when I had a team a few years ago, it, it was a very busy department and there wasn't enough people um, and it was overwhelming. And I was like, how can I help them organize their day? And I said, you know, break up your day, think of the tasks you've got to do today. We'll space it out in your calendar. And I said, if you get to the end of that task and you haven't quite finished and you absolutely need to finish it, that's fine. Just move things around a bit. Just jiggle yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. Like you don't have to be like, <laughs> you've only got 10 minutes to do that. You've only got to, you know, be a bit flexible, but at least you can see where your day is going and you know where your time's going. And you, at the end of the day, you can also reflect and go, I've achieved this. Yeah. You know, I've achieved yeah. this, 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 and this. Rather than if you haven't got anything planned, sometimes you go, what the hell did I do all day? You know, yeah. oh, I, I replied to an email and I, I thought about, doing this project yeah. you know but what's the tangible things i've actually done so yeah it yeah, is really useful and i think you're touching on something really important too that it's that it is a tool it's not a rule it's, oh i like that uh, a tool, not a rule. yeah so i mean it's really all these things are there to help us it's not mm -hmm. to i mean i get so caught up in these things when i'm trying a new technique and trying to get it right because you know yeah. it's nice to do things right but there isn't always that right way and what works for you you know you gotta you gotta find how it works for you so. yeah and i think it changes with seasons and places and mm -hmm. gigs yeah, as well that's but really with um I'm, I'm interested a little bit so spoiler alert i'm writing a little newsletter currently about uh finding inspiration uh, and in my work yeah. it's it's i'm kind of reflecting on this because in my work a lot of people just sit on Pinterest all day and look for visual inspiration. So things start looking oddly similar. Uh, yeah. but for, for the type of copywriting that you're working with, what's the most useful sort of place to gain resources or inspiration for you? Well, I guess initially it was LinkedIn. Um, I have connected to a lot of writing folks and um, industry folk. I, I tend to steer well away from big influency people because I want to find more people that are, are at sort of my level and you know where we're going and so a lot of the inspiration I, I guess I find is through some of the communities that and the groups that I've joined uh, on LinkedIn um, and books book recommendations mm. um, I've, I've purchased a few books this year just off things I've seen on other social platforms besides LinkedIn and people I'm meeting and then recommending like sort of events yeah industry events and and books normally is sort of where I'm getting a lot of my inspiration from and online I mean I just I spend a lot of time scrolling and but I'm not just mindlessly scrolling I'm like 
searching for tips or courses to do or books to read, yeah, or events to go to. Yeah, so sort of I haven't really thought about specifically going hunting for it. It it, it comes through what, what I'm doing. It comes through those things, the events, the books, the, the people I talk to, really. I'm not Another, sure if that's are there very good any... answer. It's a great answer. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm um, wondering if there's like a, a, a really favorite book or something that you would recommend to anyone, either who wants to write or just in general, something well, everyone should read. I've only just started it, but everyone's raving about it. Dan Nelkin. Oh, blimey. I can't remember what it's called now. He's only got one book out, I believe, though. Cool. Um, well, we will add it to the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> see. Um, yeah, all about, yeah, actually really about finding inspiration and how to write, you know, good headlines and um, which obviously is very, you know, the hook sort of thing. I hate that word because it seems like you're, like, trying to manipulate people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... You know, you are trying to get gets people's interest, and that happens in the first few words. And this is what my my year seven teacher told me off for. She said I was too colloquial and um, didn't expand enough on oh. things. Which you know, as a year seven, probably my you know my writing was quite immature. But you don't say that to someone. But I do like things to be succinct and clear. And I think there's too much waffle. Yeah. Copy and. There is so much online material now. Like we are glued to our screens and we are constantly taking, whether it's visual stuff or we're reading something. I found, you know, I'm 47 and I have the attention span, I think, of probably a 16-year-old sometimes, you know. <laughs> I need things to be really quick and that's yeah. how I like to write. So I'm really looking forward to this book and it has rave reviews and loads of people are reading it. So Dan Nelkin. And Eddie Sh- uh, Schlener, he's really good as well. Schlener, I think that's how you spell it. Uh, say it. Um, I'm also uh, look at a lot of things that he does online as well. But well, there's something uh, I really uh, it resonates with me this idea of being quick and kind of keeping it human, almost I don't know, mm-hmm. colloquial, because there's so much. I think also as a as a freelancer trying to market a skill or a business, I do so much thinking and even writing about what I do and Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I've had these phrases where I'm just like, this is what I do is I breathe life into brands. And then I'm just like, but who, who knows what that means? (laughs) Is it sometimes I just want to make a post where it's like, I can do guidelines. Yep. Visual guidelines that are good. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, and I think, but but what I mean to say with that is I, to me, I realize now too that I immediately kind of switch off once things get too uh, wordy or sort of cerebral mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to the type of work or content that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I feel like you're totally on the right track here. Mm, it's people think, people, I think people that don't copyright or do writing or whatever, they think it's really easy, right? Mm-hmm. No, just write some words. Just okay. You know, well, anyone can write some words. Why don't you do it then? Why are you hiring me? Yeah. <laughs> so to write that headline that may be five words, right? That could take several hours, you know, of iteration after you know, I might write a paragraph and after 
two hours, it's got down to five words mm -hmm. because you have to get into your audience's head. You have to get, you have to understand the positioning of, you know, where you are in the market. You have to understand who's asking for these products. What problem are you solving? And to get it down to five succinct words takes a lot of time and skill. And that's what you're paying for. And how many times have you probably been, you know, in a in the office around people and they're like, oh, could you just quickly write us a, you know, quick headline or, a, you know, quick, a quick paragraph about this? And they expect it. I'm sure in agencies as well, it's much more, you know, like that. Um, so I'm not saying that you need to be able to produce a viral headline like every five minutes, but you do need to be able to sort of come up with things. And there's hopefully what I'm hopefully is in this book is, is helping you to develop those skills more and be succinct and still very explanatory with a minimal amount of words because yeah. no one wants to read things for a very long time unless you're reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then you've already committed. So you've kind of yeah. given, given permission for long words. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm invested in this. I'm going to sit down and have some time. But when I'm scrolling online, I want to instantly know what's going on. Yeah, it's, so. it's the trickiest art. I mean, I've worked with social media advertising. It's also just so impossible to quickly know what's going to work for an audience or a client or whatever. I think I've talked about this several times on this podcast, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, where oh, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I mean, even with some of the things that we tried when I worked in social media was, you know, I would spend, I would have times where I spent weeks on an animation for mm. a feed and yeah. it would flop completely. And then there are other times where you slap something together and it basically goes like free magazine. And, <laughs> and it's like the best performing ad of the month. Yeah. So yeah. I think in the end, I don't really know what I'm trying to say with that actually, but there's something in the end where it's really just all about clicking into that human connection or what that person is actually looking for. And so solving their problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Although sometimes I'm also kind of, I also feel like I'm creating problems for people. <laughs> like marketing, marketing kind of in a way and in a, in a good way when it comes to climate and sustainability, you know, you have to kind of create a problem for people or uh, draw their attention to a problem that they might not think they have, but that they do have. That is true, actually. Yeah, you've got to make them aware that they, they've got a problem or when they don't think that they do and, and you've got to help the way they're going to fix it. You know, I also signed up to um, the Ethical Marketing Pledge, um, mm. which really intrigues me because although um, sales and selling stuff was a big part of my life, I really, really, really dislike people selling to people that don't need something. Cause I mean, we're, we're in this bloody climate crisis because of things like that, because of overconsumption. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want people to buy something that they don't need. Yeah. <laughs> so that is also factoring into everything I do. Like I've, I ads that I've written as well. It's like, especially for one, one client comes to mind, a product I really believed in and I really invested a lot of time helping write ads for them. Um, because I really believed in that product and I really believed it could help people. Um, 
and that's who I was targeting, not just trying to sell this really expensive thing to anyone. It was just, you know, you've really got to get to the right audience. So that's what I also bring into to my work as well with the, the sales and marketing side of it and writing succinctly to make sure that you're targeting a very specific demographic or, or, or audience um, and you're not selling, just not getting people to buy stuff because we're a consumering society, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not that like everyone target audience. Yeah. <laughs> I just want everyone to buy it. Yeah. yeah. But you actually don't. No. Uh, but that's that's one of those things that I think is so wonderful about working. This sounds horrible. Mm. But uh, is bringing those previous experiences into a new role. Uh, yeah. Because you're mentioning you worked in sales and advertising. Mm. That must be a huge help and asset in what you're working on now. Yeah, yeah. It ha- and it creeps into, um, you know, originally I was just writing copy for sort of social posts and for businesses, but for their social media and stuff. Um, and then, it, you know, oh, we need a bit of help with some advertising and that kind of thing. And, oh, and I'm not really sure what we're doing this event or, you know, we're not really sure how to market this. So, yeah, within my copy writing work, I can't help but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just comes into it, the sales and marketing part of it, um, which I do need to be careful with sometimes, well, a lot of the time, because, you know, if my client wants copy, that's what I'm being paid to do and yeah. that's what I should do. But I'm not going to let something, if I can see that they're doing something really wrong or they want me to do something on social and I'm like, well, you know, I... I have some experience in this and I wouldn't do that because of, but you know, you do not have to listen to me because you're not paying me to do that. So, yeah. But yeah, you almost have to bake it into the just regular conversations that you're having on the side. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, I can't help it. It does come, come through. Um, But how much I let it come through, I guess depends on the client and whether they're open to receiving it really, you know, I do do, sales consultation for people and marketing consultation it's yes everyone has their specialist you have a sales people you have your marketing people you have your copywriting people but my experience helps me in my current role and I think it, I'm really grateful for that actually for having my background in in sales and marketing and knowing that it helps with copy yeah no I think this has been one of the most intriguing things of having started a career and working in this field and just realizing how much every job that I've had is now influencing decisions you make. And that's also how you get those speedier processes eventually. Yeah. I think when you ask me like how, you know, how I got into it and everything, it's like, yeah, when I was probably 16 and you said, oh, you're going to be a copywriter <laughs> when you're in your forties. I mean, like, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> and and now, but now looking back, I can actually see all of these things that I've done have led me to where I am, you yeah. know, and answering that LinkedIn post, I was like, oh, you know, the confidence was like, oh, can I do it? Can I do it? Yes, yes, yes. And I spent some time writing it, but it was quite natural. And I was just really open and honest and just said, this is where I'm at. This is what I've done. I didn't lie. I didn't say, oh, I've been a writer for years, years, years. Yeah. So I have written and I do write and I've written brochures and documents and all this kind of stuff and that's where it came to but yeah you you look I look back and I think oh I would have never have thought that but in another way I can see how it's 
all come about. Yeah. Yeah. And you so, kind of have to just be grateful for that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It's, um, it's certainly been a different one, but yeah. I'm really, this is probably the first time in my whole life I've known what I want to do. Really? Wow. I know. That's awesome. I'm not saying that everyone has to wait that long, <laughs> but. <laughs> I feel like there's only excitement in that. I don't know. There's, there's something, <sighs> there's just something wonderful about, I mean, it's life. We go through it. It's like yeah. this constant change and kind of, I don't know, rebirth. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what it feels like for me. You know, as a younger person, and I don't know where I got this from, probably just societal societal crap, but. I literally thought when you hit 40, like life was over, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It was just like, oh, it's all downhill from there. And I can tell you it's been the exact opposite. Mm. I feel more myself. I'm discovering more about myself. I'm enjoying my work. Um, I'm enjoying meeting new people and learning about different industries and all that kind of thing. And it's, as, it's very exciting. And I feel like it's sort of just the beginning of the next stage really um, yeah of where to go so yeah it's good that's i hope no one age does age is a good thing and it's a bloody privilege too to get older not everyone gets that opportunity i'm so happy that we can put this fact out there but that <laughs> uh this is such a perfect segue into my little repeating segment on this podcast oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where i ask my guests about one thing they want to start doing one thing they want to stop doing and one thing they want to continue doing. So yeah. let's jump some, into that. Think. Okay, yeah, good, good. So uh, let's yeah. start with what you want to start doing. So what I want to start doing, um, I want to start writing more. I said in the beginning, you know, I, I, I write about the climate as much as I can with my, with my clients, but I really want to focus more and solely on, on that. And, um, as well as my second passion, which is to do with climate, but it is all about the food system and food health and mm. soil health. I think we are so sick as a society in the way we eat. I mean, I'm glad I don't live in some other countries where processed and ultra-processed food is just the norm. Yeah. Uh, something I've been learning about in probably the last five years is nutrition and, and food and the health of our, our food systems. And gosh, it's complex. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, really complex and I'm really passionate about it and I think um, we need to do better by a long way in the way that we grow food and, and agriculture um, so yeah I'd really like to start writing and learning more about that um, as well as upping all my climate writing and so forth this so. is great oh I can I kind of want to see the the mind map of this food yeah. and agriculture sort of massive <laughs> I don't know, network of things yeah. going on. I get really fired up about it because I think the way, well, I don't think, the way I know, the way we are growing food generally, and I'm not saying everywhere, but generally in every country where we are growing food and the way that um, we're using animals is, I don't eat animals, but the way that, you know, animals are being bred and so forth is just, it, it's, making, it's making everyone sick. Well, I mean, why there's such 
big pharma companies, hospitals are overrun, people have got more diseases than I think we've ever had before. Everyone's gluten intolerant and I mean, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't really eat dairy either. Like, you know, all this sort of stuff, like everyone's just, yeah, it's wrong. And we should, we need to go simplify things again and just go back to really how it was not that long ago, you know, 60, 70 years ago where you grow food and you eat it. How many younger people these days don't even know how to cook is just, you know, they can't cook a basic meal and it's like, you need to be able to look after yourself. So yeah. Yeah. So I see, have... I'm ranting again. I get really passionate about no, this. This is great. I was going to say, I'm very, I'm very grateful that I have a husband who's really, really into cooking and oh, thinking about food. So I have, like, my, my interest in that has grown in my mm. adult age because before yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't helpless, but it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. great. Uh, and now I feel more, I mean, I think it's also just food is such a, <clears throat> it brings people together and it really, yeah. ma- I mean, it connects you to people, to, I mean, even your city yeah. and place, you know, the whole earth. So I, yeah, we, we should have a just separate uh, podcast about this. I feel like. Oh, you won't get, you won't stop me and um, bring your husband on as well. That'd be very interesting. We could all get into it. It's <laughs> such, such a big topic. And yeah. What gets me is people don't realize what is going on, you know? So yeah, let's talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. All right, but let's, uh, let's hop into something you want to stop doing. Always dramatic. Um, I thought about this for quite a while and I was like, gosh, I'm just so happy in my job. And, but then I thought, you know, the one thing that irks me is um, clients um, wanting, asking me to make a, certain product or process or something to do with sustainability or climate and i hate the word sustainability because you make anything sustainable but to make it sound better than it is because mm. i'm not going to do that yeah. <laughs> you know um your process is your process and if you're going to change it i know that's going to take time that's fine but let's be open and transparent about it online let's not greenwash it and make it sound better than it is because you're going to look silly and yeah. I'm not going to do that and I'm not that's just not what I'm going to do so that's really um I'm not saying it's a huge big deal and it's not like I'm shooing people away going oh yeah yeah that. yeah but that is one thing I'd really like I think that's good it's it's also really I mean with legislation changing and so on that's kind of starting to become a must for exactly. for clients yeah. to to be truthful I'm thinking about yeah. that a lot in my work too since there will even be lawmaking surrounding visuals within yes. this type of communication. And, you know, using green might actually be misleading on a certain product. So I, yeah. I, I actually am quite excited in a way about how it sounds like the boring stuff with kind of like policy changing to encourage more truthful communication but I am really excited to tackle that and to go Mm. in and I mean I also am very tired of just the cliches within sustainability especially I mean from my perspective the visuals because I'm like okay how many earths and green leaves and drops of water can I see before I actually lose my mind (laughs) put a leaf on it and it's sustainable yeah exactly or like craft paper yeah. So someone I mean, said to me the other day, um, oh, it's sustainable palm oil. 
And I said to them, there is no such thing as sustainable palm oil. And they went, yes, there is. They've grown this just palm oil forest, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and how did they get to grow that palm oil forest? Did they deforest something? Did they get rid of the orangutans and everything to make this monoculture of palm so that we can have palm oil? Yeah. And they're like, oh. I was like, hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, we are fed. The, it's sustainable palm oil because... It, now it's sustainable. They're not chopping down another forest to do it. Yeah. But, you know, that's probably an ancient bloody forest there to start with. But yeah. They did. But that, yeah, I mean, we have this, uh, this challenge of it's, I mean, it is, of course, impossible for every person to go beyond the surface of everything they're reading. But we are also very trusting in the first statement that we read, <laughs> which is where those yeah. headlines come in. There needs to be, I think, a little bit more uniformity and, and like, you know, like to just touch on before with like symbols and things, why can't there be like symbols that are used worldwide for specific things? Because, you know, in every single country and even in like states, like here in Australia, there's well, five, seven states or whatever there is, I've forgotten. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're all uh, run by sort of state governments. Yeah. So they all have different, they all have different recycling laws. Yeah. What can and can't be recycled and that kind of thing. That's like for crying out loud, can't we Yeah. <laughs> have a little bit more uniformity in what's going on, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean this maybe I need to go on and do a PhD and just create this <laughs> system. It's impossible. I mean, it is really hard and it keeps being reinvented in different places or created yeah. anew. And we have, I mean, it's at the point actually in Amsterdam when we first moved here in 2020. We, with recycling here, you separated out plastic recycling, but they've yeah. now, I mean, I do not know how they do this, but basically they came out and were just like, people are recycling all the wrong plastics. Like you can't throw all the plastic in recycling. There's different symbols. So we have to sort it anyway. So just throw it in the trash and it will be sorted at our facilities it feels weird but i'm like throwing plastic in the trash because wow. my city doesn't collect you hear that and then you think well why can't we do that everywhere yeah but i don't know i mean so i'm saying this now but with a grain of salt because i have not looked into what actually happens i i do i mean as an idea that feels like it makes sense because then mm -hmm. you're removing you're removing a roadblock for a lot of people who exactly. who wanted to do something right and did it wrong because it was confusing. And and it's in somewhere like Amsterdam or London, where space is limited mm -hmm. and you don't have room for you know four different types of bins for every single household or apartment. Right. You know, it makes more sense to, yeah, okay, you pay your rates and taxes, so we'll sort it out for you. Yeah. Sort of thing, you know. Um, or, you know, maybe they could just stop people manufacturing things in crap plastic. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of steps we can take here. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right, but let's uh, let's hop into a thing you want to continue doing. Yeah, okay. Um, continuing is um, I do like educating people mm. um, about the climate, carbon emissions, and food and health. I really, I think... My family's probably getting a bit annoyed with me now, <laughs> um, especially because they haven't seen me for a few years. Yeah. So I've come back and I'm like, 
oh no, I need to go find an organic uh, supermarket or, uh, you know, no, we can't drive. That's going to emit this amount yeah, of carbon. Yeah. That's what I really want to do um, is educate people, whether it's through um, copywriting or um, I've also done uh, another sort of networking and, and training thing I did was carbon literacy with mm. the carbon literacy project. Mm-hmm. And I have had ideas of wanting to actually do that and deliver that training to people. Ooh, um, yeah. Yeah, we, because I think when I did it, it was like, oh, I know I know this stuff, you know. Um, but there's so many people out there that don't. You know, doing a couple of hours, a, a two-hour webinar or four-hour webinar or something, um, and learning, just educating people about their usage and consumption on things, I think helps educate, you know, starting people to learn. Because I didn't yeah. realise there's a lot of people that just don't even think about that. You know, because I surround myself obviously with people that do, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you you think uh, you suddenly realise that no, some people don't even realise. I don't know where I heard this. It was somewhere. It was probably on LinkedIn. But then someone wise said, "It's not the deniers you have to worry about, because they they're going to deny and not listen to you anyway, and you're going to waste a lot of time and energy arguing to get nowhere." You don't need to worry about the people that do realise because they're on their path and their journey and that's brilliant. It's people in the middle that are sitting on the fence. They're like, do I believe in it or don't I believe in it? Because they're the people that you can educate, make the right decisions and move forward in a positive way. And I thought that was really brilliant, actually. It's like, yeah, why should we waste all of our time and energy with people that are never going to change their mind? Yeah. Um, if we can get the people sitting on the fence, you're then going to have the majority, aren't you? Because you've got yeah. the fence tipping them over the edge to the positive side. And then you've already got the people that are on that journey. Yeah. No, I, this is really good. I'm excited to follow that, uh, yeah. that journey as well. But yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I feel like that middle, middle ground too is where you can actually make this type of communication and education kind of more on the, maybe not fun, but like inspirational, aspirational yeah. level, because that's also a little bit, I mean, sometimes I worry when I see a lot of climate communication and so on, that it is, there is a lot of doom and gloom, which is, you know, accurate. (laughs) Then for someone on the fence, I can understand if that's a lot to kind of, does does that inspire action or could, you know, there are so many things we can do, even when it comes to just like. And you go, oh, that's too much. I'm not, I can't. I can't do that. I'll just live in my nice little bubble over here and pretend everything's fine. (laughs) Because, you know, by the time it's really bad, I might be gone anyway. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not my problem. Yeah. (laughs) And on that positive, positive note, (laughs) uh, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. I feel really energized this this morning for me and afternoon for you. Yeah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to you and just loved it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. You'll find Michelle at michellek.co.uk. That's Michelle with one L and K with an E. And both her web and LinkedIn are in the show notes. For updates on my creative adventures, follow Anders Creative and Studio Otherwise on Instagram. And do subscribe if you haven't already. And rate this little thing as highly as you possibly can wherever you're listening. And until next time, take care.